Hey, welcome to episode number 73 of More Than Bread. My name is Dan. I'm your host for this podcast, which is really focused on the Word of God, the Scripture. And and uh, it comes from the idea that we need more than bread. Jesus said we need more than bread. We, we live off of every word that comes from the mouth of God. Today we're going to battle. We are in the last part of the first chapter of Mark's Gospel. Yes, still the first chapter of Mark's Gospel. Mark's Gospel story is actually filled with battle stories. John begins his gospel with a wedding story, reminding us that the kingdom of God is a party, it's a celebration. Matthew's gospel jumps quickly into the sermon detailing the radical way of life for those who follow Jesus. We call that the Sermon on the Mount. The beginning of Luke's gospel highlights that the kingdom of God is for everybody. It's for the rich and the poor, Jew and Gentile, people in the margins of life and people at the center. But Mark opens with battle. He opens with spiritual battle. Mark's gospel reminds us that when the kingdom of God comes, there's a battle, a holy war. And and as the apostle Paul says, this is not a battle against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. That's so important to remember. In the places where we see spiritual battle, we, we get off track. We lose the battle when we begin to think that the battle is against people. Paul says this isn't a battle against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. It's this epic battle between God and evil, between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. And when we realize that we're in the midst of a battle, you know, don't be confused when bad things happen to good people. It's war. Don't be so discouraged when we experience times of, of defeat and darkness in our spiritual lives. It's, it's really part of the battle. When tensions develop in relationships and, and, and people get divided, don't be caught off guard. It's the enemy's strategy to vi- divide and conquer, e- even in the church. When, when you see division, almost always, I would say, there's an element of spiritual battle. The, the gospel is an epic story, all the more epic because it's real. But every epic story involves a battle, and every battle has a villain because epic stories at the heart are the story of the battle between good and evil, right? You have Neo against the architect in The Matrix. You have Frodo and his fellowship against Sauron in Lord of the Rings, Batman against the Joker, Little Red Riding Hood against the Big Bad Wolf. I think one of the great problems for our movement, the movement of the church of Christians, of Christ followers today is that for the last few decades, in our country at least, the invitation to follow Jesus has read more like a travel agency brochure than an enlistment campaign. We often hear some form of come follow Jesus and he'll lead you to the life of your dreams. Come follow Jesus and be happy. Life is easier in Jesus land. The sun always shines brighter in Jesus land. Smiles last longer in Jesus land. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Let me read three battle stories. And and maybe you've read these before and they didn't occur to you totally to be battle stories. But let me read three battle stories in Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 45. I'll, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. So Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the other teachers of religious law. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him, be quiet. You have something here in the Gospel of Luke, these are my words, where where it almost seems for a period of time like Jesus is trying to hide who he is. 
That's what's happening here. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. And at that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly, as such authority, even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. Now, after Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So so he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. And the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons, but because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Verse 35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, hey, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to the other towns as well. I'll preach to them too. That's why I came. And so he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Last story, verse 40, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning, don't tell anyone about this. Let me stop there for just a moment and and just pause here on the don't tell anyone else about this. Sometimes people wonder why why the secrecy here in the beginning. And I, and I think it's because Jesus knew that the primary reason he had come was to announce the kingdom of heaven, to to preach to all the people and to go to the cross. And, and so he wasn't interested in the very beginning to just healing everybody who who he could find. And so there's this, there's this kind of holding back. Don't tell anybody about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. One of my all-time favorite movies is Braveheart, Mel Gibson's movie on the life of the Scottish warrior poet William Wallace. Wallace was the hero, a hero who touched the heart of many, including Robert the Bruce. Robert the Bruce was the Scottish noble most remembered for betraying Wallace, but in reality, he later rose up to lead Scotland to freedom after Wallace's execution. Shortly before his death in 1329, Robert the Bruce, now King of Scotland, requested that his heart be removed from his body. I know this sounds a little bit strange, but listen on. He requested when he died that his heart be removed from his body and taken on a crusade by a worthy knight. James Douglas, one of his best friends, was at his bedside and took on the responsibility. The heart of the king was embalmed and placed in a small container that Douglas carried around his neck. He he carried, listen to this, he carried the heart of his king into every battle he fought until the early spring of 1330. 
when in an ill-fated battle, Douglas found himself surrounded. Death seemed both certain and soon. And in that moment, Douglas reached for the heart strapped around his neck, threw it deep into the enemy's ranks and cried out to his men, fight for the heart of your king. Forward, brave heart. I will follow my king's heart or die. Now listen, that's closer to the truth of what it means to be a Jesus follower than most of our preferred pictures of comfort, material blessings, and security. C.S. Lewis once wrote, one of the things that surprised me when I first read the New Testament seriously was that it talks so much about a dark power in the universe, a mighty evil spirit who was held to be the power behind disease, death, and sin. Enemy-occupied territory, he wrote. That's what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed, you might say landed in disguise, and has called all of us to take part in a great campaign. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 45, describe three moments in Jesus' life, short stories of the untamed Jesus. And, And I think perhaps the common thread among them is this picture of Jesus, the untamed warrior. He's on a hell-bashing, great deed-doing quest to cleanse the world of its demons, a a quest to show people the heart of God. He's ready to do battle. This is not a just-nice Jesus who shuffles along with his head down. This is the untamed, undomesticated version of Jesus who will battle for your heart. Three battles we see this untamed Jesus wage in Mark chapter 1. The first is the battle for redemptive change. Jesus goes to Capernaum, runs into a man who is demonized, oppressed by evil, and Jesus goes to battle. Now, I I know we live in a culture that likes to think of evil as a disease, a psychological sickness, or a cancelable person, or or sociological virus, But, but the Bible tells us that evil is also personal, malicious, and dangerous. Sometimes we try to advertise spiritual transformation and the healing of hearts and relationships is nothing more than a a program of behavior modification. And don't get me wrong, sometimes our behavior needs to be modified. We need to run from sin and choose what is good, but sometimes it goes deeper than that, doesn't it? And sometimes we wrestle with an addiction or we struggle to change the way we respond to life or people. We battle against this seeming darkness inside of us and it seems like nothing works. What do we do then? Sometimes we just give up. Sometimes we need an untamed warrior. Man, I, I don't know what you're going through right now, what personal battle you feel like you're losing, or maybe it's a battle that involves someone you care about. I, I don't know what your own personal darkness is, but I know that some of you listening have given up. Some of you believe you'll never find freedom or victory, and the best you can do is minimize your losses. And, and some of us are close to giving up. Right For a while, you were doing well, but now after the last couple of years, it seems like every little battle you win, two more take its place. The, the, the battle's taken everything you have for so long that all you have is gone. Hope is just leaking out. Not, not just one big cut in your heart, but all these little pokes. All these little pokes. And I just want you to let this moment in Capernaum play out in your heart. Put it on, put it on the auto replay and and, and just think about it over the course of the next few weeks. Jesus going to battle for you. 
Well, what I'm saying is that Jesus is an untamed warrior. He's not a domesticated wannabe. And, and if we will listen and respond to his amazing teaching and authority, we'll find victory. In the remainder of the chapter, Jesus goes to battle for his calling. He, he leaves all the commotion and chaos and distractions uh, behind. He goes to a solitary place. Man, I, <laughs> I think today in our culture, that's one of our greatest battles. And, and if we don't win that battle, it's pretty likely we won't win the last battle, which is the battle for community. That's what's taking place in the story of Jesus' healing of the leper. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Now, you maybe don't know this, but please understand, in Jesus' day, leprosy was not just a physical disease. The person with leprosy was deemed spiritually unclean and socially rejected. They were isolated. They were quarantined. More than just a mask. A leper was someone who lived their lives in the wilderness, in isolation, but But Jesus has the power to restore people to community, to reconcile relationships, to restore what division has stolen. Let me ask you, are are we battling for community or are we easily divided? I think one of my greatest disappointments in the last couple of years is how easily the church, in our country at least, has been divided. It's like anything could divide us. Everything mattered more to us than than the common family that we have, the common kingdom that we have, the kingdom of God and the family of God. There are few areas that our enemy attacks more and with greater perseverance than relationships. Few victories bring more joy than the battle for community. Life is a battle, but we have an untamed warrior who leads the way. I'll never forget um, years ago, we were robbed. It was kids, actually. They broke into our home in the early morning hours while we were still sleeping, and and, and they took some stuff. Before that, once in a while, Josh, my youngest, would be afraid to go upstairs by himself. When I would ask him why, he'd always say, bad guys. Dad, I'm afraid of the bad guys. And I would always answer, Josh, have there ever been any bad guys in our house? And he'd say, no. And I'd close our little liturgy with, then you don't have anything to be afraid of, do you? After the robbery, I wanted to be able to say to each of my kids, it's okay. Nothing bad will ever happen to you. Mom and dad will protect you. And if we can't protect you, Jesus can. But I can't do that anymore. After that moment, I couldn't do it anymore. And and as the years have gone by, listen, in my heart of hearts, it's no longer even my greatest desire for my children, for my friends, or my church. I don't pray very much anymore for us to be protected from this dangerous, unseen, but not unreal spiritual battle. More often, I'm praying for us to be dangerous. I'm praying for my kids to be dangerous. I'm praying for us to be warriors, to follow our untamed warrior king, Jesus, to give him our hearts and to be willing to die for his heart. My my prayer is, Jesus, make me dangerous. I want to be dangerous to sin. I want to be dangerous to purposelessness. I want to be dangerous to loneliness. See, we cannot come into close proximity with the living heart of Jesus and not become a bit dangerous. You cannot hang his heart around your neck so that it touches your heart and not become different. His heart cannot be tamed. It's not domesticated, pasteurized, or harmonized. His heart calls us into the midst of battles that we may not win. His heart will lead us into situations that do not seem fair. But life is a battle, and there's no one I would rather follow than my untamed warrior king, Jesus. L- listen to this passage again 
the last part of Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 45 in the Living Bible paraphrase. Jesus and his companions now arrived at the town of Capernaum and on Saturday morning went into the Jewish place of worship, the synagogue, where he preached. The congregation was surprised at his sermon because he spoke as an authority and he didn't try to prove his points by quoting others, quite unlike what they were used to hearing. A man possessed by a demon who was present began shouting, Why are you bothering us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy Son of God. Jesus curtly commanded the demon to say no more and to come out of the man. And as that evil spirit screamed and convulsed the man violently and left him, amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What what sort of new religion is this? They asked excitedly. Why even evil spirits obey his orders? The news of what he had done spread quickly throughout that entire area of Galilee. And then leaving the synagogue, he and his disciples went over to Simon and Andrew's home, where they found Simon's mother-in-law sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. He went to her bedside, and as he took her by the hand and helped her to set up the fever, suddenly left, and she got up and prepared dinner for them. By sunset, the courtyard was filled with the sick and demon-possessed brought to him for healing. A huge crowd of people from all over the city of Capernaum gathered outside the door to watch. So Jesus healed great numbers of sick folk that evening and ordered many demons to come out of their victims. But he refused to allow the demons to speak because they knew who he was. The next morning, he was up long before daybreak and went out into the wilderness to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him and told him, everyone, everyone's asking for you. But he replied, we must go on to other towns as well and give my message to them too, for that is why I came. And so he traveled throughout the province of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues, releasing many from the power of demons. Once a leper came and knelt in front of him and begged to be healed. If you want to, you can make me well again, he pled. And Jesus moved with compassion, touched him and said, I want to be healed. Immediately the leprosy was gone and the man was healed. And Jesus then told him sternly, go and be examined immediately by the Jewish priest. Don't stop to speak to anyone along the way. Take along the offering prescribed by Moses for a leper who is healed so that everyone will have proof that you are well again. But as the man went on his way, he began to shout the good news that he was healed. And as a result, such crowds soon surrounded Jesus that he couldn't publicly enter a city anywhere. But he had to stay out of the barren wastelands and people out in the barren wastelands and people from everywhere came to him there. Jesus... um, There is no one in the world more attractive than you. There's no one in the world who can draw a crowd like you can. There is no one in the world who goes to battle for us, for people in need like you do. And I pray, Jesus, for each and every person listening, listening to my my voice, I pray that they would know that, that you are a mighty warrior, that you are a warrior king, that, that you cannot be stopped and And that you go to battle on our behalf. And that if we follow you, uh, we might become a little bit dangerous. A little bit dangerous to sin. A little bit dangerous to purposelessness. uh, A little bit dangerous to loneliness. God, would you make us like Jesus? And it's in his name we pray. Amen.